Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. Alrighty, so um, I'm going to call this uh, Tuesday Tepper Tantrum. That's what uh, I think that's what I'm about to embark upon. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I listened to the press conference that was held earlier, about an hour ago or so, uh, by the Panthers billionaire owner, David Tepper, who I was ambivalent about the guy. I, I don't know anything about, uh, you know, billionaireism. Uh, or hedge fundism. Uh, I don't. I don't move in those circles. I know you know people think that radio guys have a certain amount of money, but uh, no, we are not in that rarefied air. Uh, so I, I was always ambivalent about the guy. You know, as long as the owners just like write the checks and let the the operations run, I'm a pretty patient guy too. I really am. Like I loved the Carolina Panthers football program uh, from the very beginning, and they were always built around, not for, well, not always, but they were, for most of their life, it seems to me, they were built around run the ball, run the ball, pound away, uh, have a great defense, right? And you'll stay in the games, defense wins championships, although we haven't ever won one, but we got close twice. And apparently now this was like a whole new focus because everybody wants to, it's like the home runs in baseball. I want to see home runs. Those are exciting. Yeah, I, I'm a patient guy. I actually, I like watching a no-hitter too because that's a thing of art and it's way more difficult. People hit lots of home runs every single season. Very few people pitch perfect games, you know? And by the end of the games... The games become really exciting because the defenses get worn down when you keep running the ball and running the ball and running the ball and controlling the clock and keeping the defense on the field. Their defense gets tired, and then you break open these huge runs that are super exciting. And then that softens up the underneath game. You can pass the ball around a little bit. Look, I'm no football expert here, but I've watched enough football over the course of my uh, you know 40 years watching NFL football I've learned, like, two things. Maybe three, you know? I I cannot tell you what they are right now, but I'm sure I've learned two or three things. So yesterday we saw that uh, David Tepper, the the owner of the Carolina Panthers, fired the latest head coach, actually the first guy that we ever had throw a touchdown for the Carolina Panthers franchise. Yeah, he, he went on... He played in a different, a bunch of different places, but he used to be a quarterback. His name is Frank Reich, um, and then he um, he became a coach, and then he got hired, started the season, got to coach 11 uh, actual season games. I guess there were four preseason games, right? Do they do four or three? Are they down to three? Three now, yeah. Um, I never watch the preseason stuff. I, I, I should say never. I rarely watch. But... Um, and now he's fired. Almost what thirteen months to the day that the that Tepper fired the last head coach, Matt Rule. 
And Matt Rule got the job because Tepper fired Ron Rivera. The three R's, as I call them. So we're, yeah, we're not schooling anybody. Yeah, we keep firing our three R's. We stink. We've only won a single game this year. And I've taken to saying, you know, on Monday broadcasts that uh, when I come on, it's like, oh, you know, it's it's happy day after the Panthers lose. And uh, all I look for in the Panther uh, games now is to see how they will lose. To me, that's the, you know, at the beginning of the season, I looked at all of these opportunities where they were losing at the end of the games as, as, uh, you know, as opportunities to improve upon our onside kicking game, right? So we could learn how to better onside kick the ball. And maybe we could become the best onside kicking football team. Uh, that didn't happen. But um, we, we end up losing all of these games, usually in the fourth quarter. We're terrible at closing out games. Um, I prefer to get blown out so this way I can go about my day and I don't have to sit and watch the game. But then I started like thinking of it because you know me, I'm a silver linings kind of guy. Uh, and so I said, uh, well, you know, how are they going to lose this week? And as long as it was a new and improved or different, unique way to lose, I looked at it as a win for me. But it is kind of annoying. It's sad. And when you keep firing as many coaches as David Tepper is now fired, um, I got to wonder, like, are we the Browns? Yes, we are, actually. We may be worse than the Cleveland Browns now. Which is funny because when Cleveland had its river on fire, low those many years ago, um, people were making comparisons to us because we had hired, remember Ron Tober, the Charlotte area transit guy? We hired him away from Cleveland, if I believe um, memory serves correctly. Uh, and so there were a lot of people that were like, we don't want to be Cleveland. Well, here we are. Now, I will say, like at the Tepper press conference, I'm not going to play you the audio, but at the David Tepper press conference, um, you know, he touted how their business operations have done a very good job of bringing in all sorts of other events to the stadium. Uh, which is good. And remember, he said a couple, was it a year ago or something? Probably about a year ago, where he said something that, uh, you know, Charlotte never had music until he came to town. Charlotte didn't have music concerts at Bank of America Stadium. Now, it is true that those were curtailed to a large degree, but I knew that was incorrect because I saw the Rolling Stones play at Erickson Stadium. Yeah. Blues Traveler opened for them. I was there. So I know we had music concerts, but I understood his point, you know. Okay, he's talking like we don't have a lot of concerts coming to town. They're not booking the stadium for all sorts of events all the time. It's not this like hub of activity, you know, three days a week. I I get it. But I I did not understand, I guess, what the trade-off was on this because apparently in order to bring music back to Charlotte – it came at the price of our NFL team. I was not, that was the deal. I did not know that was the deal. If I would not have accepted that deal, I would have said, no, no, we shall remain like the town in Footloose, no music, no dancing. Um, if we can have uh, just, you know, a team that, you know, has, has a winning season every other season. Cause that's what we were doing. It wasn't great, but we knew if we stunk it up this year, next year, we're probably going to be okay. And if we have a winning season, we also know next year, yeah, we're probably going to stink it up. But at least there was some consistency, you know? 
Right now, there's no consistency. And all around the NFL, all around the sports world, people are not just making commentary about David Tepper and the Panthers and what we're seeing here. It's also reaching out into the Charlotte community at large. There is a stink that is now, just like it did in Cleveland. I mean, yes, they had a river catch on fire too. But besides that, like, there is a stink that now starts wafting over the Queen City. And I don't know if he did anything to fan away the fumes today at that press conference. He says, oh, the buck stops with me. I made all the final calls. I didn't. He, he seemed to indicate he didn't overrule anybody's judgment on whether to hire Frank Reich and the coaching staff or whether to fire him or whether to uh, take Bryce Young as their first quarterback or the first round pick. He didn't say he, he sounded at the press conference like all those decisions were unanimous. All the football people, they were all pushing that certain way. They all agreed. And then he just said, yes, obviously he's the owner. He's going to get final say. Totally understand that. Maybe you shouldn't. Look, again, not a football expert here, not a billionaire hedge fund guy either, but just spitballing here. Whatever you're doing, stop doing it. Do the opposite of whatever it is that you are doing. Because the team has gotten worse. The reputation has gotten worse. Fans' reactions are getting worse. Are we allowed to wear brown bags in the stadium on our heads? Has that been banned? I mean, I've heard I've heard reports about the terrible state of the concourse on certain levels. Broken televisions and such, and just things not working. It's not great. It's not great. Don't love the experience of B of A anymore. Yeah, and so are you trying to squeeze the local taxpayers in order to get the funds to improve your stadium by withholding life cycle replacements? I think he wants just enough money to keep it going so he can ha- have visiting fans sit in our seats and cheer on the opposing team. He still makes the money. So I That's I don't not, What's the incentive no, here he for wants Tepper to, to change? Look, no, he, he he wants to win. Does I, he though? I believe that. I have to believe that. I don't think I don't think you get to, I don't think you get to his status um and not be a alpha type guy want to win and be the best. The problem is, as I read in one of these pieces, I think it was uh, NBC, yeah, Mike Florio, he said, you know, there, there, there's no uh, test, there's no exam, there's no personality evaluation, no assessment of whether the person is going to be a good owner or not in the NFL. It's just about money. Do you have all the money? Then you get to play with an NFL team like it's your fantasy football. Maybe that's what we should have, actually. Maybe every person who wants to be an owner of a team needs to do a fantasy football league for like a season first. And if they stink it up, you don't get no. You don't get you don't get to control the team in this league. There's only 32 of them. We can't risk that. I came in second place last year in my league. You could be an owner. Yes. I too could own the North Carolina Panthers. That's right. What? <laughs> Wait. You don't remember Pete Diddy saying that? No, my goodness. North Carolina Panthers stand up? Oh, no, I did not. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I don't follow the P Diddy. So, like, I'm curious, do the Panthers actually get any better under Tepper's ownership? That's the question. Are you optimistic? Because that's what what he's going to need is people buying into a future optimism of the team. And honestly, uh, he doesn't inspire optimism because he hasn't overseen success, really.
at least here, um, I can point to Rock Hill and the absolute Charlie Foxtrot that that land deal was. We promised all these things and then left everybody high and dry, had to settle a whole bunch of like lawsuits and stuff over the, the building of their, you know, what was supposed to be this Panthers training facility and Hall of Fame type thing like the Dallas Cowboys built. Um, like, first off, you need a whole bunch of Super Bowl victories and, I don't know, a couple more decades of existence, I think, in order to have that kind of an operation. Um, then there was the Eastland Mall deal where he made all these promises about, you know, putting the Charlotte Football Club over there and doing some soccer fields or something, right? He was going to do a bunch of stuff over there and all that fell apart. And that raises questions in people's minds about his ability to deliver on promises and his, his ability to act in good faith and be an honest broker with the public, with the local government, with the fans. And that's entirely of his own doing. That's got nothing to do with football, right? That's all just business which is supposed to be the thing he knows about, right? He's a hedge fund manager. Diana Rugg used to be a, a TV reporter for WCNC back when I was a reporter here in Charlotte uh, for WBT, you know, 20 years ago. And two months ago, she said on Twitter, after seeing what hedge fund managers have done to newspapers and, well, basically anything they touch, this is not shocking. Yeah. Decimating news operations. Is this really shocking? Mike Florio at NBC Sports. He says, uh, this is a basic reality for every fan base. The owners uh, don't have to pass any kinds of tests. They just have to have the money and approval of the fellow owners. And then we as the fans in the city, we get stuck with the owner. Which, oh, yeah, here we go. I got a, a tweet. It's a Pete tweet from The Urn who says, Stop it, Pete. When we have the Bobcats, I mean, they're a great Charlotte team. Like, right? It is, th- this, this reminds me of the Bobcat Johnson error. Not error. Error. The Bobcat Johnson error. I remember when they brought him in, everybody thought we were going to get Larry Bird, and, um, and then we did it. We got... Bobcat Johnson. And he immediately turned the team into, like, the Bobcats because his name is Bob Johnson. And that's what this kind of feels like again to me. But what do I know? I'm just a news talker. Let me bring in somebody who talks about the sports thing. Uh, it's Kyle Bailey from our sister station, WFNZ. I think he's on. You're, like, at, uh, like, 1 a.m., I want to say. Correct. Right? one thirty to 3.30 a.m. No time competing with this show. Correct. So you never need to go over to listen to Kyle's show. <laughs> <laughs> no, we so. have synergy in this building, Calendar. Uh, you have directive. synergy. That was a corporate directive. You have synergy. Synergy, man. Right, right. What's going on? Uh, no, nothing, you know. Um, no, I heard I heard some of your uh, show yesterday on my way home, and uh, I heard you getting razzed a little bit from one of the, the, the texters, which, by the way, kudos to you guys. You got, like, thousands of the text line blow up yesterday. That was That's incredible. But uh, when stuff like this happens, it's like a breaking news event. Like, oh, yeah. You know, it's like a terrorist activity. People <laughs> tune in here. Um, and then, But when it's something like another coach firing, although too many of these, 
people are going to stop tuning in because it's going to become old news at that point. You think so? I think, yeah. It's yeah. like, eh, it's another season halfway through. Yeah. The coach. I, I wonder about that, right? Because yeah. in our business, if the team's really good or mm-hmm. if the team's really bad, people are into it, right? They're okay. either celebrating or they're screaming. Mediocrity is the worst place you can be in the eyes of a lot of people. So um, I would, I, I don't want to, I think we're testing that theory right now because they've been so bad for so long. Uh, but I, I hope that's not the case. We shall see. See, that's interesting because mediocrity, that's gotten me to where I am right now. That's, <laughs> that's, uh, but you own it, Pete. I, I own it. I am <laughs> adequate. Um, so, uh, all right. Is it? A, so I'm, I've been calling this Tuesday temper tantrum because um, a lot of people are angry, uh, but a lot of people wanted Frank Reich fired. Uh, I saw the, I saw the stuff on social media. Do you have any... Do you have any insight? You were at the press conference today. I heard you got to ask a question of the uh, the owner. Lucky me. Um, no, I asked the new the interim head coach a, a question because as I was gearing up to ask the owner a question, oh, the, oh, right, right, right. he hurriedly exited the, exited the stage after 13 oh, he minutes. Knew. Yeah, oh, 13 he knew. minutes he was gone. You and Fowler, huh? Yeah. Me. You're on the outs, huh? <laughs> well, in all, in all fairness, I was late. I was, reporting, I was recording a podcast down the street, so uh, I'm not upset for them not taking my question for David Tepper, although I'm a little bit perturbed that he was only up there for 13 minutes, and uh, it wouldn't have been that long were it not for WBT's own Brett Jensen. Uh, uh, we call him Breaking Brett Jensen breaking over here. Breaking Brett Jensen, I apologize. Okay. If it weren't for uh, Breaking Brett Jensen, that would have been about a nine-and-a-half-minute press conference. So, um, you know, it was uh, it was surprising. Well, I'll, t- I'll take that back. It was, um, it was unsettling how little we learned today, mm-hmm. um, you know, and how the question from Eric Spanberg of the Charlotte Business Journal about, yep. you know, a churn – and then, I don't know if you heard the response, but David, churn, that's an interesting word. Yeah, churn. like he's never heard this term in right, business. exactly. Give and then break. he immediately pivots into, well, look at all the concerts I've brought and all the economic development. And, now, you know, I do have a thought on that. I said this earlier in the program, but I'm going to say it again. He said he brought us music. He brought music to Charlotte. He delivered. Right. And uh, even though I remember seeing the Rolling Stones play at Erickson Stadium long before, but be that as it may, he brought music to Charlotte. I was not aware that the price of that was our NFL team. <laughs> that was the fine print. Apparently, we had to sacrifice yeah. the team to get the music. To get Garth concert. Brooks, right? right there you, know, you go. You don't get Garth Brooks unless you stink at football for a there while. There you go. There's a penance that needs to be paid. <laughs> That's um, right. But no, it's. Uh, I think we could all. I think people would appreciate the music more, the concerts more, if the one thing that most people cared about collectively wasn't in complete and utter shambles yeah. right now. Um, you know, it felt like this feels like rock bottom. Although there are people that will tell you that uh, don't underestimate this this organization's ability to dig the hole deeper. So True. we shall see. Uh, this feels like rock bottom because you know you started over. You, you they tried their hand at the college coach and Matt Rule. They they talked about giving him time. That ended less than three years in. He had it's, a pandemic year, so they like they they wiped that one God, away. Understood. Yeah. Right? So and I, I showed I did some too. I showed some grace there, mm-hmm. but you know then it looks like in the off season finally. Hey, you've you've learned from mistakes. You're bringing in a ton of NFL experience. You're bringing in, you know, Frank Reich and Dom Capers and Jim Caldwell, and they were applauded for that. I was one of them, saying, mm-hmm. "Okay, looks like they've learned some lessons here." Then they traded up for the number one overall pick to go bold get move. Bryce Young. Bold move, and everybody was understandably excited about it. Um, but it's all gone to hell in a handbasket since then. They just fired that coach in eleven games. Yeah, it was the fourth shortest tenure in NFL history. Uh, that speaks volumes about where they are right now. There are questions about whether or not they drafted a bust with the first overall pick and if it's going to set them back as a, as a franchise for a couple of years. There are questions about who's going to take this job uh, because of what appears to be a very involved, heavy-handed owner who's meddlesome, quite frankly. And So uh, do we know that? Because he was asked that at the, co- at the press conference, and he said, you know, like on the Bryce Young pick, Frank Reich's hire, he said, I didn't 
uh, overrule anybody. This was unanimous from the football people. He does get the final vote, obviously. He's the owner, but um, he said everybody was in agreement. It's not like he's directing all of the moves. Yeah, well, he said that, you know, <laughs> it's funny. I want to I read you something from Albert Breer on Twitter a little while ago. He gave an anecdote about David Tepper where I think he said that there was a— uh, there was an instance where you know Tepper had seen a play that Cleveland ran on a Sunday, and he oh, midweek God. handed a piece of paper to his offensive coordinator and told them that they should run it. Um, you know, there's, there was the report a couple of years ago that he suggested to Ron Rivera that they switch from a four-three defense back to a three-four, which wasn't the most outlandish thing because Ron had coached a three-four defense before. But that's not the kind of directive that owners should be making when you're not a quote-unquote football guy. Um, yeah, because the pressure there, it's just, it's, it's implicit, right? I mean, not explicit. It's implicit that this is the boss yeah. and he's like, Hey, you might want to look at this. And sure. that means you go you look, look at, at this, this. <laughs> right? You go look at this. Right. And so there are some that would say, I, I don't believe that the facts back up that David Tepper, you know, overrode his coaches and his general manager and forcing them to take Bryce Young. Do I think that he made his preference known? Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I think he probably did. Um, but they, they took a caravan of, 10 to 15 to 18 people to all of these pro days. They went to go look at Will Levis and Stroud and Young and Anthony Richardson. What does that send a signal about? I I think they did their due diligence, right? Mm -hmm. So I I think that they laid eyes on everybody. They had a lot of meetings about it. I'm sure there were disagreements and arguments because that is the case in every front office. Um, But do I believe that, you know, there was a a David Tepper, the tyrant, you know, kicked the door in on a draft meeting the, the day before and said, guys, we're taking Bryce Young. I don't think that happened. Yeah, but you know, I, I think that he's heavy, he's heavy-handed in personnel decisions. And look, the truth is, in the NFL, that's not a winning formula. Yeah. So, can you stick around for another segment? I, I know I you have got, another I show. The, I got to hit the little boys' room. I'm fine though. Oh yeah, we have long breaks here, so you could totally oh, do oh, that. That sounds awesome. Yeah. All right. So yeah, I'll Kyle, come back. Kyle Bailey from WFNZ. <laughs> he, he shall return. So shall I. All right. Do the current world events have you wondering whether we are teetering on the edge of catastrophe? Are you concerned it's going to reach our shores? Okay, so what are you doing about your concerns? Let me help. Carolina Readiness Supply at carolinareadiness.com. Whether you're looking to expand your emergency preparedness supplies or you have no idea where to even begin, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you. Food, water purifiers, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies even. Because being prepared is just smart. Carolina Readiness Supply has 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials that you'll need for any kind of emergency. In Waynesville and always at carolinareadiness.com veteran-owned Carolina readiness supply will you be ready when the lights go out got kyle bailey here from our uh, de- our sister station wfnz and no he's not the overnight guy <laughs> his show starts at two i just don't like telling people that three three see now i just lost it oh well you're fine that we're not even in competition at all oh god i thought all this time you were coming on it well two. no i was on i was on two to six for many years all right so they, i'm not okay i'm but not i cut back it. three to six about a year and a half ago wow you're working like bt hours then. oh yeah they pay me well, the same except- to work less hours no, except like Brett Winterbull, he does like four, and the morning show does like five. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, we, we call that pulling a Francesa in this business. You know Mike Francesa, WFAN in New uh-huh, York? Yeah. He did five and a half hours every afternoon in New York City for a long time. So uh, I call that pulling a Francesa. There was a guy, I forget who it was, he would do a show in like Philadelphia and then do another show in New York, and he would fly. Yeah. Or something, or but every day. Oh, yeah. Like that's my, my buddy Steve Zabin, former WFNZ host, as a matter of fact. For a long time, he was hosting one show in D.C. and another show in Milwaukee. Uh, no, yeah, oh yeah. But now you, I mean, now you can do it. Now remote. you can do it. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're talking about driving. Yeah, 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 yeah. This was I back, and this was before all of the this, you know, the, 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 the pre-internet technology. days. Right? Yeah, exactly. All right, so I got to ask, right? How bad? 
How bad is this? Um, from Because I've seen some reports here about other uh, uh, quarterbacks that did not want to come to Charlotte. That they went looking for all these different guys like Carson Wentz. And like again, not a big football expert here, but as I understand it, not exactly like A-lister in the quarterback world at the time we were going for. Mm-hmm. Or asked. Right. But guys like I think there was Aaron Rodgers didn't want to come here. Right? There was somebody else, I forget. But we've had so many quarterbacks. We've had seven coaches, I think, in seven years. Now we're going to have counting seven interim, coaches. Yeah. This yeah, will be the seventh the if you count the interim coach. Yeah. Right. So who would want? So does this create in the league? Does this create an instability that people are afraid to to hook up with, either at the player level or the coach level? I think I heard you say yesterday that you don't think anyone would turn down the coaching gig because there's only 32 of these gigs. You'll go do it. I think that most people most will people. will be of that mind. Are, are there some older, more established coaches who might not want to put up with a meddlesome owner and not, if they've got options, choose to go elsewhere? Definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but this league is full of type A personalities, alpha males who you know they all think that I can fix that player, I can fix that offense, I can fix that team. They all have a great deal of self confidence for the most part. So you know, you add on that yes, it's one of the only thirty two NFL jobs in the world. And that this is a very rich owner who's very clearly, demonstrably willing to not only pay a lot of money, but willing to part ways with it and pay people to go away yeah. when they're not doing their job. So He's still paying out Matt Rule's contract, right? For sure. Yeah. For uh, sure. And, and I would point to Miami a couple of, week, a couple of years ago uh, when Brian Flores got let go and Tua Tonga-Vailoa, another former Alabama quarterback, was struggling mightily. Not a big guy. Didn't have the Josh Allen-type arm. And a lot of folks wondered, oh my God, can you believe they just bounced Brian Flores? And I mean, he, I think, had gone nine and eight, eight and nine that year. And, uh, you know, they ended up with Mike McDaniels, and the, and the Dolphins are in a much, much better place right now. So, yeah, I do think there will be a lot of talented guys who would be willing to take on this job. It's just a matter of, of where they turn. Yeah. What does, it, what does it do for the Charlotte sports fan, the Charlotte sports scene, um, and then layered onto that the ability, to get a new stadium and that whole public fight and what we saw in Rock Hill, what we saw at Eastland Mall, the Eastland Yards, whatever, and Charlotte Football Club, he's fired a bunch of head coaches over there too. So what is it like what is the Charlotte sports fan community? What are they uh <laughs> what are they what are they thinking about this? Uh it, it's, it's I go back to what I said during uh the, the previous segment. You know, when people when the team is good, people are fired up. They're mm-hmm. engaged. They want to talk. When the people when the team is bad, they are just as engaged and fired up and want to talk. So, um, I think the consensus right now is that uh, the Panthers have an ownership problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what you hear from most people. That uh, David Tepper's too involved as a non-football guy, quote unquote, and they would like for him to take a page out of you know the Rooney playbook, the Stan Kroenke playbook, and you know be a guy who is just involved enough to make sure that. You know, things are being run properly, but otherwise just back off, write the checks, and uh, let the football guys do the football stuff. Not going to happen, though. Uh, I, I did, and I'll, I'll echo what Joe Person said from The Athletic. Uh, I think he tweeted this out right after the press conference. He said, I, I did detect more humility in David Tepper's voice today, and I had to up until that whole, you know, look at how many concerts I brought here, and you know, I'll let you guys speculate all you want to, that sort I, I did ignore, I did detect a hint of more humility in his voice. I wonder if that means that he's going to back off, but um, only time's going to tell, quite honestly. Kyle Bailey, he's on uh, 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. on WFNC. Just kidding. It's 3 p.m. <laughs> 4.15 a.m. until 5.55 You can listen to both of us. Get our podcasts. He's on our sister station, WFNC. Uh, Enjoy your program, though. Uh, and thanks for coming in. I appreciate you. Kyle Bailey. Oh, my goodness.
We still got two more hours of uh, of Tuesday temper tantrum. I've got other topics. We're going to get to them. Stick around. <laughs>